Hello and welcome to another episode of the Choose Strong podcast. I'm your host, Sal McRae, and I'm joined by... Eddie McRae. I'm back. (laughs) I'm so glad to have you back. And I'll tell you what, the title of this podcast, Fear and Danger on the Trail, is something that I have been excited to chat about, mainly because so many people contact me about this. When I first started running on the trails, uh, my kids were babies. And when I got signed as a pro and was able to do it more frequently and for uh, longer stretches of time, you know, I was going to the mountains for a, a lot of time, people often asked, you know, what are the animals that you encounter? Aren't you afraid? Have you ever, you know, had any danger on the trail that has, has maybe uh, made you not want to go back? On the flip side of that, people will message me uh, or email me through my website with their own fears. And they say, you know, I would love to get on the trails, but I am so afraid of animals. I'm so afraid of getting hurt uh, far away from my car. I'm so afraid of being attacked. And so this is a very real fear. Uh, If you have followed me for any stretch of time on social media, you also know that this is a topic that I often speak about, um, whether it's fear or courage. So today I am going to share with you some very specific stories about some situations that I have encountered uh, as an endurance athlete, both on the road and on the trail. My hope in this podcast is that you will gain knowledge, some encouragement, but that these little pieces of advice would allow you to maybe be a little bit less fearful about your trail endeavors, but really as a whole, about anything that you hope to set out to Um, out to do in your life. Because at the end of the day, there are two types of fear. There is a healthy fear that keeps you safe. There's a fear that keeps you alert, uh, that keeps you uh, aware of danger around you. But then there is the fear that paralyzes you, that keeps you from living the life that you were meant to live. So although I'll be talking a lot about trail, mountain, and road running, I will be talking about uh, for my female listeners, I I do get a lot of questions from the ladies who do feel extra afraid about being on the trail or encountering people. I will be speaking to you. But I do want to say first and foremost that we can overcome fear. We can be fearless and we can learn to go and do things. It's okay to be afraid. It's okay to be aware, but to live in a state of um, of being paralyzed by that fear, I want to help you overcome that. So first and foremost, thank you so much for choosing this podcast. I hope that you share it as well, because I think there is something here that everyone can glean from, that we can learn from. And I would also encourage you to please write a review. It is our hope that we can eventually hire a producer, right, Ed? Yes, please. (laughs) (laughs) And we would like to put out more episodes. So right now we're we're at like one to two episodes a month. We would love to be doing an episode every week. And of course that has to do with bandwidth. So we just want to say thank you in advance for writing a review, sharing the podcast that definitely helps us grow, but also helps us get the message out. And really that is the goal. I love to be able to get the good word out. As you know, the title of the podcast, Choose Strong, that tagline is strong body, strong mind, strong love. And that's really the good message that we are trying to to spread. 
So let's dive in to today's topic, fear and danger on the trail. Uh, The stories that I have chosen for today, I'm going to kind of just run through them because I think that what I'm going to share, most of you might have this assumption or this fear already in your head if it hasn't happened to you yet. I think a lot of you will relate to it because I'm talking about road, trail, mountain uh, running, and I'm going to be talking about encounters with people and encounters with animals. Now, when I was at Biola University, um, Eddie and I both, we were soccer players. And Eddie, do you remember all the running that we had to do outside of training? I mean, we would have to go on runs just... Yeah, I remember we running that block around. I don't know how long that was. It was like four was. or five miles. Yeah, around. a good, good loop. But yeah, there was... Not not so much off the road, but it was mostly road stuff, right? Yeah, it was all sidewalk. Yeah, I remember. (laughs) And this loop that he's talking about, it is pretty, I mean, I think it's well known by all the students at Biola University. It's this very basic square that goes around the school and you can get four or five miles on it. So whether it was our off-season training or just needing to do a weekend run, we were always trying to keep up our endurance, but we typically never went past six miles. I feel like it was like between four and six miles. So I was about 19 or 20 in this situation and I was just doing that loop. And unbeknownst to me, I was also being followed. Now, this is in the middle of the day, a sunny, beautiful day in Southern California. Uh, I'm just out on a run, getting my miles in, and a car pulls up next to me, opens up their car uh, door, and a guy proceeds to jump out. And, And it's two guys in a car, and they're both looking straight at me, and I immediately just start running away. Now, that moment for me was just... I. Obviously, I'd never encountered anything like that. I'd never been in that situation before. But it frightened me so much that from that day on and even to today, I run into traffic. And that's even something that, you know, we tell our kids that too. Yeah. When you're on the side, and I, I stay on the sidewalk, when I'm on that sidewalk, I run into traffic because I want to see who is coming at me. So that's going to be my first tip to my listeners. One of the best things that we can do is not only educate ourselves, but our youth as well. We don't want to instill fear. We don't operate in fear, but it's important that you stay aware and that you understand uh, all the different things that can happen to you while you are out on a run. So that was just road. And I'll tell you what, as a little sidebar here, and Eddie, I know I've shared so many stories with you. I think my only encounters with people for the most part, I've had a couple on the trail, but most of my encounters with people have been on the road. Yeah, I can't remember any from the trail that were significant in terms of like scary. It's been all road. Yeah. yeah. And and I'm not, you know, I would say on on one hand, road is, is really easy as far as, you know, anyone can get to um, the road. I remember joking on another podcast one time. I said, well, if, if anyone is going to attack me on Mount Baldy, I mean, they've got, I probably know who they are. <laughs> <laughs> you got to be able to run up in altitude up the side of a mountain. Uh, that takes a lot of work. Uh, there's not a lot of effort on the road. So first and foremost, it's being aware of the potential danger. So I learned early on as a runner to always be aware of my surroundings, to always be listening. Thankfully, it's 
this time, I was not wearing any headphones. And that really was the one thing that kept me uh, from getting grabbed was because I heard them. I heard this car behind me. I heard the car door open. I imagine if I had some AirPods in, although AirPods didn't exist back then. Yeah, you'd have the the whole disc man (laughs) or Walkman thing going on. (laughs) Easy there. Not that old. (laughs) If I had music in, I would have not have heard them. So I'm just going to encourage you, if you love to run to music like me, run into traffic. Also, be aware. I always tell people, whether you're on the trail or the road, run like a predator. And the idea behind this is that a a predator is always looking around. They are always aware. But predators also don't run afraid like prey does. Predators run with strength and in a way that they own the trail. They own the road. They will stand up to their prey, um, which leads me to my next story that I'm going to tell. And that is one where I was actually, actually, this is maybe gym and trail. So I started going to the gym when I was 16 years old. It's always been a part of uh, my fitness routine. I love training. And for those of you listening who do go to the gym, you know, there, it's a place where you can build community. Uh, you you definitely notice the groups of people that go to have a chat or they go with their friends, you know, the people walking on the treadmill with their buddies. And I think that's great. I think it is a wonderful place for people to connect and to socialize. Now, the way I go to the gym, I typically, you know, I wear a hat down pretty low. I put my music in and I am there to work and leave. Um, Many, many years ago, there was a gentleman who noticed that about me. And so he actually approached me and I'm in the middle of a workout. I was, I was sitting on one of the weight benches with some dumbbells and he waved his hand in front of my face. He got my attention. He's like, dude, you're so intense. Like I've noticed that about you. And I'd never seen this guy before. So in my mind, I'm thinking like, how long did you notice that about me? Or like, was it just right now? And But typically I have always kept my conversations very short in the gym because there's a purpose as to why I'm there and I discipline myself to stick to that. And so for me, if if I'm ever approached, it's okay, yeah, I can smile, be kind for a minute, but I'm not interested in creating friendship or connect, that's not why I'm here. Well, as the weeks and the months went on, this this guy uh, would every now and then kind of saunter around to wherever I was. He'd ask me a couple questions. He'd try and say hi. And I always typically had the same response. Very short, quick remarks, and then I'm back to my workout. But over the months, this guy did learn my name and that I was a runner. Well, unbeknownst to me, this guy also learned that I was on Strava and was studying my routes on Strava. Now, I'm going to pause there really quick because I am talking about Strava, which I am an ambassador for and I love. It's a fantastic community for those of you that don't know Strava. Eddie, you're on Strava. I I am. I have like four followers. (laughs) It's been like four years too. And I don't think I I know anyone that gets more excited about kudos than you. (laughs) Whenever Eddie gets a kudo, I know about it. (laughs) 
Now, unlike Eddie, I have thousands and thousands of followers. This platform is awesome. You're able to connect with athletes from all over the world. You can log any type of fitness routine. You can check out routes. You can learn from other people. You can see how people did in a race. It is truly a wonderful community. So I'm not putting Strava in a bad light. At the time, I didn't realize... um, I didn't realize this though about Strava. If you don't know someone and they discover anything about you, they can obviously look you up. So this is many, many years ago, like when Strava had just first started. It was like 2013, 2014. And so I was out on my typical sunset run. I like to do like an hour on this particular trail right by our house, right before making dinner. And I loved this trail because at the turnaround point, you could see the ocean, the sun setting over the ocean. It is just such a great way to end the day. And I would do this route most days of the week. So I usually did a run in a gym in the morning. And then my second run was like that. Well, this guy suddenly one day showed up on the trail And I was in the middle of a run. And when I saw him, he stepped out onto the trail and said my name. And I was like, oh, hey, I, whoa, it's weird seeing you here. I'm used to seeing you out, you know, in the gym. And he's like, oh, yeah, you know, I follow you on Strava. I kind of, you know, I, I figured that you'd be out here. And that, that statement alone kind of alerted me because this person was not my friend. Uh, This was not someone I knew very well, but I thought, you know, you know, I'm going to be nice. I'm not going to be rude. So I stood there for a couple minutes and chatted with him. And then he asked me, hey, you mind if I run with you for a little bit? And I was like, yeah, that's fine. And as soon as I turned to go on the trail, he slaps me on the ass. And in that moment, I thought, no, that is not okay. And then I took off without him. I took off so hard down the trail and I was furious. I was so mad. I felt violated. I felt like this guy had come into this wonderful trail, this route that I loved, and he ruined it. And I did not end up going back to that trail for months. In fact, I I ended up uh, going to even a different gym after that because I was so upset. So many people to this day ask me, why do you make your Strava runs private? Because I don't release very much information on Strava And I'll tell you, that is why. Um, When you have thousands of followers, you just have to be a little bit uh, more aware of, you know, for me, I tend to run the same route over and over and over again. I get obsessed with the route if I love it. If I'm training for a race and I find a route that is similar to the race that I'm training for, I will go over and over and over and over again. So for me and staying comfortable, um, I will share different routes here and there throughout the year, but I don't share consistently. Now, Strava has, um, over the years, released lots of different safety details in their app that you can use. And one of them is Heat Lamp. And Heat Lamp allows you to hide your starting and end point, which I think is awesome. And I think it's something that everyone needs to um, use in their settings. The other thing that you need to know, I, I use Strava every single day. I love it because it's like my training journal just right there on my phone. I can check it anytime. Um, I love the 
stats and the progress and the fitness improvement, all the things that it logs for me. But I think it's just really important to know that you can always make anything private. You can make one workout private. You can make your entire profile private. So I don't want to send fear that using Strava is going to put you in this situation. There's a lot of different things you can do. But let's go back to my original point about staying aware. Always stay aware. And in in this situation with this guy, there were two things that I learned in that moment. One, it's okay to not have to play nice with a stranger. You know, I think sometimes even as a woman, I have felt that throughout my career that I just need to smile and be friendly to everyone I encounter. But what I learned in that situation was, no, you know what? I had a purpose. I had one hour to get out and do this run and get back to my family and make dinner. That was the purpose. I did not invite someone onto this run. This was not a social Uh, time for me. I was getting in a workout and I was going home and this person distracted me from it. He took away from it and he violated me. And so for me just to take off down the trail, that is okay. And even taking a step further, I didn't even need to stop and, and talk with this guy. He was not a friend. I could have waved and say, hey, what's up, bro? And could have kept on running. So stay aware, stay strong, stand your ground. Remember the purpose of your run. Uh, anything you want to add on that, Ed? I'm just surprised you didn't turn around and kick him. <laughs> That's what you wanted me to do, right? <laughs> That's what I wanted you to do. That's what Eddie would have done. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, in that moment, right? Like you just, you don't know who he is. You don't know what his, his end game is. And so, yeah, the smart thing was to to sprint away. Yeah. But yeah. I have two more encounters with people that I that I'm going to share. And one of them was just being surprised uh, by a person. I was actually working my way up a trail. It was 7 a.m. in the morning. Remember, the sun had just risen. It was a beautiful, peaceful morning on a very popular trail here in Southern California when a man about 15 feet in front of me jumped out of a bush. And I don't want to say he jumped out of the bush as in like, ah, I'm going to scare you. It wasn't like that. It was just like he suddenly appeared out of this bush and he was wearing street clothes. He had on like jeans and a hoodie. And it was just kind of shocking to see him because I was probably about a half mile up from the beginning of the trail. So it was one of those situations where I was immediately alerted because it's normal to see hikers, mountain bikers, runners, you know, people enjoying the trail, but this just didn't feel right. And so what one of the things that I have taught myself to do is if I am afraid, I will act the opposite. So I immediately stood up tall. I looked at this guy straight in the eyes and I said very loudly, good morning. How are you doing? And I think I scared him. (laughs) I don't think he was expecting that. But my purpose in doing that and having a, a literal tall posture, a very confident voice looking straight at him was to let him know, what's up, my friend? I am a strong woman. So... This guy may have never had any intention whatsoever to approach me or to do anything to me, but I did it for me. I did it because I was frightened as for at first. There's a guy jumping out of the bushes on the trail that clearly is not out here to enjoy the trail. I'm not really sure what his intentions are, but before I have any more guesses, I just want to make sure that this person understands that I am not someone you want to mess with. I see you. I'm going to acknowledge you. 
And I didn't smile at him. I looked him straight in the eye and I actually grabbed the pepper spray, which was right there in my pack, and I put it around my head. We have this, um, in California, we are allowed to have pepper spray. We have this kind that's called a jogger spray and it has a strap that wraps around your knuckles. So I took it out of my pack so he would see and I'm wrapping it around my hand up by my face. And the guy looks, he gives me a look like, geez, but I was like, yeah, this is what we're dealing with. If you in fact, intend to do something to me, this is what we're dealing with. So the point in that story is when you are fearful, it is okay to have fear, but that is the caution. That is your self saying, hey, there might be danger here, but don't stay paralyzed in it. You need to then react to it. So being strong in that situation was using my voice, making my body big, making my body loud, and immediately showing him that dealing with me was not going to be a fun time. The second incident I had was actually, on one hand, this is an incident that made me upset. And I think that all of us are going to encounter kind of a clash on the trails at some point. You know, our trails here in Southern California, sometimes it can get really crowded. I typically will train on trails in the mountains on weekdays just because there's less people. And a few years ago, I was doing a tempo run, a 14-mile tempo run on the trails, and I was coming off of a ridge, and I was going to drop down into a canyon. Now, this canyon drops down on this particular trail for over a mile. The deeper that you go down into the canyons, the narrower the trail gets, and then suddenly you're covered in trees. Now, because of this, this is also another rule that I have. I do not train in the canyons very often alone. And if I do go down there, I'm in and out very fast. So it's a very short stretch of time. Um, but I don't like to run in places that are covered by trees. I don't like to run um, or stay down below in a canyon for a long stretch of time unless I'm with people. So that is just a rule that I have for myself. Well, I dropped down to this canyon and about half mile down, I suddenly can hear and feel a mountain biker behind me. And now I'm feeling that he's very close behind me. So I yell back to him, hey, you can pass. You know, I'm just trying to get a workout in. And he says to me, no, you're fine. Now, I know well enough that mountain bikers on a steep descent can go very fast. And at this point, I'm probably only going about a 5, 5.30 pace which equates to maybe, what, 11, 12 miles per hour. Now, this guy could easily be going 20, 30 miles per hour if he wanted to. But for whatever reason, he wanted to stay right on my tail. And I didn't like that. And so I then say again, about 10 feet later, no, really, please pass. And he again says, no, you're fine. Well, after that second time and I realize, okay, we're going deeper, deeper into the canyon, I don't feel comfortable. And I'll tell you what, especially to the ladies listening, if you don't feel comfortable or you feel unsafe, listen as to why you are feeling that way. You need to respond. It's so much better that you respond to that and be wrong about it. It's okay that you be wrong than to not respond and get yourself into a really bad situation. So what I did, 
very similar to what I had done to the guy popping out of the bushes, is I stop dead in my track. I turn around to this guy and I say, you know what? I'm not here for your entertainment. You need to pass. I know that you can go faster than this. This is not funny to me. Get out of here. The look on this guy's face, he was pretty shocked. He was angry. Uh, He then called me some very choice words and rode away with fury. I mean, this guy was, was very upset. But for me in that moment, I felt empowered. I felt like, you know what? Like, you need to know, like, that's not okay to sit behind a woman. And and I have to share, too. You know, I'm wearing, it is a hot day. I got a sports bra on and short shorts. And I'm out there to train. That's my purpose. I'm here to get a workout. I'm not here to be your entertainment. There are no games. I'm not here to socialize. Unfortunately, well, once you drop down a canyon, you also got to climb out. So I end up passing this guy on a climb. And again, he uh, decides to tell me what he thinks of me. And I remember just finishing that run not feeling great overall about that entire interaction. But now looking back on it, I'm like, you know what? I am proud of how I responded because You don't know what could potentially happen in these situations. And I never want to send the wrong message. I never want to be caught up in a situation where I could be hurt um, because I wanted just to be nice. So again, focus on the purpose of your run. For me, get the workout done and get back to my family. If I'm with a group of people and I want to go out for a social run and I'm just enjoying the trails and I'm just jogging along, great. That's the purpose of that run. But But for me and in this situation, I need to focus on what I was doing and this guy was inhibiting it. Eddie, is there anything that you want to add to that story? Any insight? No, 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 no. Yeah, I got, I got nothing. It is a good story. I mean, the only thing I can think of is what do you say to the, the girl or the the woman that's running that might think of, well, you're Sally, you're strong, you're tough, and you have, you know, this aura about you that you can do that. You know, what do you say to the girl that's more timid and doesn't have that fire? What would you say to her? Yeah. So much of how we respond has to do with our mindset. And that is one of the biggest things that I want to encourage in this podcast is you need to start with thinking about how and why you respond to the world and situations around you. And you need to be honest and ask yourself if those things are truthful. So when people come to me and they say, well, I'm just not strong like that. I always want to say, who told you that? Why aren't you strong? Because I believe everyone is strong. It's in us. It's part of the very fabric of of who we are. We are all strong. It's whether or not you want to use it, whether or not you want to believe it, whether or not you want to build upon it. I'm not saying that you need to be a mean person and bite at every single, you know, situation that you encounter. What I am saying is that you need to believe in who you are. And the reality is you deserve respect and we deserve to respect others. When people cross that line and we are threatened, you still need to stand up for yourself. And so I think that in any situation that I have been in, uh, on the trails especially, are situations that I have already thought about before going on the trails. And I'll tell you why. When I first learned about ultra running, I had a massive fear of running on the trails. I was terrified of animals and I was terrified of people. However, 
I knew well enough at that point in my life, and really just for all my life, that being fearful is not a good excuse to not do anything. And so what I did was I started to study about the animals that were on my trail. So I would go online and I would do research. I would study about the animals. I would then study ab- about animal attacks, how many had happened in in my area, um, what animals there were, like ha- how many people had been attacked. I also started to study about uh, what to do when you encounter an animal. Um, but I did this with people too. So I would study about crimes. I would study about self-defense. Um, I did as much research as I possibly could because I believe that we should always be students. I believe that knowledge is power. And the more equipped you are with that knowledge, you have more confidence. And so all of these situations that I'm sharing with you on the trail are situations that didn't surprise me in a way where I thought, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. It's like, okay, I've read about this or I've heard of scenarios where these things turn bad because of A, B, and C. And so I knew going in because I'd done my homework, because I had that knowledge. And so um, really that is the point of this podcast as a whole. For those of you that do feel like, oh man, I don't think I could ever stand up to somebody like that, or I just still don't know what I would do if I was in that situation. I want to encourage you to be a student. I want to encourage you to be honest with yourself about how you feel about yourself and then also why it is that you feel that fear or why it is that you do or don't do something based on assumptions. And we need to clear those things out. So the title of this podcast, Choose Strong, always choose the stronger way. And for me in this situation, um, as I'm being followed by a mountain biker into a canyon, the strong mindset for me was I need to stand up for myself. I need to stand up and let this person know I'm not joking around. I'm here to work out. You need to step out of the way. And that is okay. Uh, Being strong, standing your ground, standing strong can many times save you from danger and it gives you the confidence to move forward. I'll be honest, it took me many years to overcome a lot of my fears on the trails, but and even now, um, I would say for the most part, I don't go out into the mountains or on the trails afraid. Am I aware alert and do I have some fear? I do. And it's the fear that I will always respect that at any given time I could be attacked. At any given time I could encounter an animal. At any given time I know that I could be injured. I'm well aware of that and I respect that. But I don't keep those things as reasons as to not go onto the trail. All right, we're going to pivot now and we're going to talk about encountering animals on the trail. Just like I had said earlier, this is a common question. And in fact, when I tell people that I'm a trail runner, this is usually their first concern. You know, what about the animals? So, I had the exact same concern before I started trail running. And maybe it's because of the books that I've read. Maybe it's um, hearing other people's very dramatic, unique stories. Maybe it's movies that I've watched that have really dictated my fear when it comes to animals. And as I said earlier, one of the most powerful things that I did was to take time and study 
about the animals that were in my area, uh, you know, really the trails that I wanted to go on. I wanted to learn about the animals that live there. I wanted to understand um, what they were like, how they they lived, um, but also how many people in the past have been attacked by the animals, uh, you know, on the trails that I run on. And the what I found was really astounding. It was extremely rare that anyone um, had been attacked uh, in the past. And I want to make sure that I also reiterate, it isn't um, something that never happens. I mean, we do hear um, on the news and in social media of people having very unfortunate and, and tragic encounters with wildlife. And in, and in fact, it is so rare that I think that is in fact what creates the intense fear is, wow, that person was just sleeping in their tent. Or um, I can't remember what year it was. I want to say it was like 2017 when that young boy, it was like a teenage boy, was racing in Alaska. Oh, yeah, I do remember that. I think he had gone off course on accident. But anyway, he was chased by a grizzly bear and and killed. And so, so scary. Yeah. Um, in the past few years, we've seen some some really intense encounters with people out on the trail and mountain lions, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure people who are listening are even thinking of some of those videos. There was one, that guy that was had encountered a female mountain lion. And the way that that lion was moving across the trail was like nothing I had ever seen. And so, yes. When we hear of these stories, they are dramatic and they are intense. And of course, they do uh, cause us to think, well, man, that if that could happen to that person, that could happen to me. So knowledge is power. First, do your research. Find out about the animals on your trails. Uh, learn about how often it is that people are attacked. And just a, key, a few key things for you to know too, staying on the trails is the best thing that you can do. If you are particularly fearful at this point in trail running, then what I strongly suggest is that go during the time of day when it's the most busy, so even on the weekends if you can, and start with an out and back. So usually the first one to two miles at a trail point from from a trailhead are going to be where you're you're going to find the most traffic the most foot traffic because an average person is usually only doing about you know like a 40 minute to an hour hike if someone's going out on a trail uh you know they're not like ultra runners we tend to go out for three four five hours sometimes but you're going to find the most foot traffic uh within that first mile second mile from the trailhead and especially on the weekend so i encourage you to gain that confidence you need experience and you need to experience what is true and what just isn't brewing in your head the other thing I want to encourage you in is that depending on where you live, you know, in the world, your trails are going to be very different. So I've often talked about bears. I am not afraid of bears because the bears that I've grown up with here in Southern California are uh, smaller black bears. And typically they just want your food. And I've run into about a dozen black bears since I've been a trail runner. And I have never been lunged at or attacked or anything. I, I, if anything, when I run upon a bear, it runs away. It's, it's afraid. And so 
Uh, I will follow that by saying that if I lived in a place where there were grizzly bears, well, grizzly bears are a different type of bear and they are territorial. Uh, they are more aggressive. And I know I would not want to run into the path of a grizzly bear. And so it's important that you study, okay, what is the wildlife on my trail? If you live in an area where there are no grizzly bears, but that is your greatest fear, um, it's important that you understand, well, grizzly bears don't live here in the first place, so then don't be afraid. But I'm saying that in such a way that a lot of things that we think in our head are just, uh, they kind of follow in the same vein, where you think of like the worst case scenario, you think that you're going to encounter these things, and then you find out the truth that, oh, okay, that animal doesn't even live here, or that experience has never happened. And so I need to really look at this from a, a stronger mindset, and that is to not let an assumption or a thought in your head paralyze you from trying, um, especially if it doesn't exist. So here in Southern California, we have coyotes, we have black black bears, we have snakes, and we do have mountain lions. And I have encountered all of those things. And so I'm going to share with you how I have um, responded in these encounters and some things that you can do as well. So um, aside from doing the research, educating myself, which are great and powerful tools, I know that it isn't until I'm actually have encountered these animals and put these things in a place, which I've learned, that I can really understand what it is like to be in that situation. So a coyote, for example, I remember the first time that I encountered a pack of coyotes. This was in the San Bernardino Mountains, and I was with family, and I believe we were camping or we were staying overnight, maybe in a cabin or something like that, but I needed to get my run in. And so I decided to hop online uh, using the All Trails app, and I found this loop that was really close to our cabin. And so I went out for the first loop and within the first half mile, I could very well sense that I was being followed. So I turned around and, and indeed, there was a coyote about 50 meters behind me. Now, what I learned about coyotes is, you know, I could stand up to a coyote and let it know, hey, I'm not prey. So I turned around and I ran straight at the coyote. Uh, he ran away very quickly. I don't think he was expecting that, but I may have yelled something really loud too. Just let it know like, hey, I'm not prey. I'm not afraid of you. You know, if anything, I'm going to act like the predator. So then I continued on the loop. I finished that first loop. I wanted to go on the loop again. So I started loop two. Well, in about like the same place, as I came around the corner, there were now two coyotes. And I thought, hmm, that's interesting. One more coyote came. So I did the same thing. I ran at both these coyotes. They scattered. I didn't see them again on the loop. Finish loop two. I come around uh, to start loop three. And guess what? There's now four coyotes. So at this point, I realized, I wonder how many coyotes will show up as I increase these loops. I decided in that moment, this is not a good idea for me to continue. Now, the coyotes didn't proceed to try to attack me. Um, they weren't growling. I think if anything, they were curious. They're curious about this person that kept on coming around that would run at them, scare them, but then would run away. Uh, and so in a way, I was still acting like prey and they were very much watching me. So um, when it comes to coyotes, I have grown up with them. They come into our neighborhoods. They're here in the wetlands. Um, they are in our canyons. And 
uh, about nine times out of 10, I would say if you just run at it and you are loud and your body is big, it's going to run away from you and it won't bother you. And I've also learned too that that once I pass the coyote, I continue to look behind my back and if I see it, even if it's far in the distance, I will run toward it until it runs away from me. And I've even done that two or three times where I'll stop, turn around, run toward it, and then keep running, stop, turn around, run toward it, and, and I'll continue running. And I've never had uh, trouble in over a decade with coyotes because of this. So just that one encounter, um, I'd say, gosh, it's been, you know, of all the places I've run, that one encounter was the only time when they started packing up uh, that I knew, okay, good idea to get out of here. Eddie, anything you want to add on coyotes? <laughs> no, I don't. I've never, never had like a, an encounter, so I don't know. This is all new to me. <laughs> I've seen them in the distance. But. Yeah. Okay, well, then let's move on to snakes. So recently, and Eddie, you've seen this too, I've been posting about the giant rattlesnakes yeah. that are on our trails, which I know you love seeing those. Wow, yeah, those things are gnarly. Those things are so big, <laughs> scary. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd say that's probably like the top response. Um, yeah. I've been posting the videos and in a joking way, this is in my Instagram stories, in a joking way, been inviting people to come run my trails with me. <laughs> and I... Uh, it's been hilarious the amount of engagement I've gotten from those stories and people saying they'd rather run into bears or lions than a rattlesnake, which is surprising to me. I mean, I don't like them either, but I am used to them. I, I, Gosh, I, I've run into so – sometimes I will go on a run and I'll run into two or three of them. But the ones that I've seen lately are huge. Yeah. They are extra. So here's a couple things about, about snakes. And I have a really funny story to, sh- to share with you. When I first started running on trails, I didn't know a lot about rattlesnakes. I knew that rattlesnakes are deadly. And so that in and of itself just scared me, thinking of what if I stepped on one and it bit me and I was several miles from the car, like what would I do? And so I started doing research and uh, looking for things that maybe I could carry in my pack just in case I would get bit. And I don't know, there's a lot of misinformation online because I had read somewhere about if you get bit to cut into the bite and try and suck out the venom. I feel so silly saying this. I think that was like a Bear Grylls episode. I don't know if that's, <laughs> that feel, sounds pretty intense. I feel really vulnerable now sharing this story because it's so embarrassing and it gets worse, okay? It gets worse because I then also did research on these rattlesnake bite kits and you can get them on Amazon and it's like, you know, carry this bite kit around and, you know, pour this solution into the bite. And anyway, unbeknownst to me, and I I know this now, but a rattlesnake bite is pretty much the same thing as if you were to go to the doctor and get a shot. You know, you got that little tiny needle that's releasing fluid into your body, deep into your body very quickly uh, through a teeny tiny hole. So there's no amount of you sucking that fluid back out that is going to save you. It's, It's very silly. After I did my research, my silly research on rattlesnake bites and what to do, I then the following day went onto uh, this really popular trail and at the trailhead, there's a ranger station. So I went into the ranger station and I thought, I'm going to do diligence. I am going to be a good student and I'm going to talk to this ranger about rattlesnakes. 
So I went up to this ranger and I said, hey, um, I just want to make sure that when I go out on the trail today, that if I encounter a rattlesnake, do you think it's safer that I just like cut into it, into the bite and um, suck the venom out? Like if, you know, if I get attacked, is, is that the safest thing to do? Or, you know, what are your suggestions? <laughs> this ranger looks at me and she says, excuse me, what? Cut into it? Please don't do that. If that happens to you, just call us wherever you are on the trail and we will come get you. She looked at me like a, I was a crazy person, which um, even as I'm telling this story, I do sound like a crazy person. It does sound pretty crazy, yes. <laughs> that I so casually and willingly was like, so I'm going to cut into my leg. <laughs> like it's no big deal. Cut into my leg and suck out the venom. No, that is not what you do. Here's what you do. If you get bitten by a rattlesnake, you need to first and immediately note the time. So hopefully you have a watch. If you're carrying a pack, hopefully you do carry a Sharpie or a pen of some sort. I always try to carry something like this because it can be powerful, but you want to circle the site where you have been bitten and you want to note the time and then as best you can, you need to keep that heart rate down and get to safety as quickly as possible. What is also helpful is if you can call the hospital, the local hospital that you will be going to, and ask them to prepare a, a rattlesnake solution. I get Supposedly, it takes about 30 minutes, and sometimes not all um, urgent care centers or hospitals have this particular medicine or solution. I don't. I I need to do more research on what it's called, but you want to alert uh, wherever it is that you're going the time of when you've been bit because that is important. And then also tell them, hey, you need to get this thing ready because I'm coming in now. So that's about it. That's that's what you can do. Yes, you can wear those coverings that the hikers do around their uh, lower calves. I don't really think that they are runner friendly. The other thing that's important to know, <laughs> to ease your mind, rattlesnakes are not waiting for you. And <laughs> I think people have this idea in their mind. The rattlesnakes are like, and here she comes. She's coming down the trail. I'm going to bite her legs as soon as she comes. No, they, they do get irritated. And there's one or two things that they do when they get irritated. So the movement and the vibrations in the sound and in the ground, as well as sound, cause them to move and it causes them also to release that rattler. And so when I've encountered rattlesnakes, there's there's two things going on. One, it's either coiled up and has its rattler going because it's angry. And I've, I've encountered rattlesnakes like this when it's a busy day on the trail. So this rattlesnake is just sick and tired of all the bikes and all the feet going past it. It's not a happy snake. And I'll tell you what, there's another reason why you got to keep those AirPods out or maybe only wear one in your ear so you can hear that rattler. When it's coil, coiled up, it's harder to see. Um, the second thing uh, that you'll encounter with the snake is it's stretched out all the way across the trail. So I see this too. And it is just en enjoying the sunshine. It's enjoying the heat from the ground, the warmth of the sun. That is where they like to be. They like to be across that trail um, or they like to be stretched out on a rock. And so same thing, keep your eyes on the trail. I tell people to run in the middle of the trail, especially if you are on single track. And always make sure that when you are running that your eyes are scanning ahead 
head, you know, five to 10 feet ahead of you, um, checking for those snakes. Now, um, as, as I've told you earlier, I have run into rattlesnakes. I want to say hundreds of times in, uh, in all my years of running many times, several times in, in one run and listening and being aware and expectant of them is going to help you also know that different times a year, they, they do come out more. So in the spring and summertime, um, they do come out a lot more, but the only way that you're going to overcome your fear is by getting out there and um, being aware of them. So you keep a healthy fear, which is awareness, and you listen for them, and you're going to be okay. You will. Eddie, anything you want to add? Nope. Do we want a rattlesnake for a pet? Is nope. the next question. <laughs> Would Same you answer. Would like me to bring one home from the trails? <laughs> <laughs> nope. All right, let's talk about um, lions and... I think we talked about bears already saying, I mean, I've run into about a dozen bears. There was one in particular that this is another embarrassing story. Uh, you know, the, the black bears here, they're smaller. They want your food. They are shy. They typically run away. It's very rare that you hear of a, of a bear in Southern California attacking a person. Uh, and I'd say that the majority of the time is because the, person did something to agitate the bear or bothered it, or maybe there were cubs around or something like that. But for the most part, bears just want your food. So when it comes to uh, encountering them on the trail, every time a bear has run away from me, but there was one time I was running down a mountain on single track and lots of curves and turns and twists. And so on this particular term, I did not see the bear around the corner. And I stopped about a good 10 feet from it. I literally thought I was going to slam into it. I, it was the most frightening day of my life in that moment. <laughs> so I stopped a big gasp. I was all by myself. This bear was thoroughly enjoying himself eating berries. I freeze in that moment thinking, oh my gosh, is it going to attack me? Because I have no chance right now. The bear stops eating its berries. It looks up at me and then looks back down at his berries and keeps eating his berries. <laughs> so that is my closest encounter with a bear. He was not interested in me. He wanted his berries. Now, deep inside, I was petrified. So I slowly back away and I go off the trail and I climb up into a tree and I start texting Billy, Colin and Dave. And I say, Hey guys, I'm up in this tree hiding from a bear. And guess what kind of response I get from those guys? They all start making fun of me. They're like, you realize that bears are amazing climbers, right? Like you realize that you are in the wrong place if you're trying to get away from a bear. So yeah, that, that whole day was very embarrassing and I did get made fun of, uh, but I learned, a, you know, a little bit about the bears in my area, everything that I had studied and learned about them uh, in my research, it felt true in that moment. I did not feel, I didn't feel like my life was threatened, but I was very respectful and I still do have that fear. I don't want to run into a bear. I'm not careless about bears. Um, I'm not saying that I don't think they're a big deal. I am aware that it is a wild animal. However, those bears do not keep me from going on the trail. So again, do your homework, get out on the trail, and just make sure that you stay aware. Let's see, what else do we want to add about bears, Ed? 
I don't think so. No. <laughs> I, I got I got nothing. So <laughs> that's that's a good story. So Alrighty. I got no bear stories. <laughs> Am I talking about these animals too casually? No, I mean I think it's it's good because you know when you're out there, you encounter these things, and it's good to know kind of have a game plan, and it's it's good stuff, but. I, if you're asking me about my input on bears, I got nothing. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Overall, what I want to convey to the listener is that your brain is very powerful when you're in the midst of danger and when you are deeply afraid. And so it's in those moments, in those split moments that, you know, within all these stories that I've shared with you, where you have to harness the fear and not let the fear get the best of you but get the truth of the situation and then proceed from there. And so, you know, staying calm, grabbing onto that knowledge, all that research that you have done and what you know about that situation and then standing strong to do the right thing. So staying calm is going to be your friend and equipping yourself with knowledge as to how to proceed. And it's okay if you encounter a situation on the trail and you don't know what to do. I think that many times we can blow up a situation, make it a lot bigger than it is or a lot more dramatic than it is. And that actually makes the situation work. So what I've learned, especially when it comes to animals, and we're going to talk about lions here um, in just a second, because lions are are absolutely the one animal that I don't ever want to encounter on the trail. But when it comes to animals, wild animals are, yeah, it's going to be scary because we don't live with wild animals. There's a lot of unknown, but staying calm in those situations and not running away in fear, those are going to be your best bet. So you have to stand up. You have to make your body big. You got to get loud. But again, I can't reiterate enough. It is a rare situation, but it is important that you equip yourself and that you know what to do. So I'm just going to touch really briefly on lions. What I do know uh, about lions is there are some here in the Santa Monica Mountains and they even come down in the neighborhoods. And then here, uh, there was an attack about gosh, like 15 years ago, I believe someone was severely injured and then one person died. And that was a couple years right before I started trail running. I remembered that story when it was in the news. It did spark a ton of fear in me. And that was one of the reasons why I had a hard time getting on the trails in the first place. And so I, same thing, I did my research, I learned about lions, and I actually learned that it was extremely rare in our area, even in the last 30, 40 years, that anyone had been attacked. And even the attack that was in Whiting Ranch, I believe they determined that that mountain lion was sick. I believe they, they actually found it and put it to rest. So one day when I was running in the canyons, I came around a corner and I was face face first with a bobcat, a very large bobcat. I thought this thing was a mountain lion because it was so big. There was no spots. It had big paws. It was about 15 feet ahead of me and I just froze. And the only thing that I knew to do was that I needed to make my body really big and I needed to be really loud. So I got my hand, raised my hands up really high. I got up on my tippy toes and I just started making loud noises. And this thing started to crouch down and got really low and it just stared at me. And I just stayed there. I didn't, I didn't move my ground. I didn't want to run away from it. 
but I wanted to show this thing, hey, I'm bigger than you, I'm louder than you, I'm not afraid of you, and so I'm not gonna run away. We stayed there staring at each other for maybe 20 seconds, and then it turned around and it ran away. Now, I was so relieved when it ran away, and again, I'm still thinking in my mind that this thing's a mountain lion. I stayed in that spot for a good two minutes. And if I remember right, I got on Facebook and I posted, oh my gosh, I just saw a mountain lion. I don't know what to do. And immediately all these, these comments came in and I just stood there and waited. It was a busy Saturday morning. Uh, and in this area, there's a lot of mountain bikers. So I waited for anyone to come by and I didn't have to wait very long, but these two mountain bikers came by and I said, hey, can I run alongside you guys for the next mile? I think I just ran into a mountain lion. And they're like, yeah, totally. We'll, you know, we'll see you out of here. And I was kind of lower in, in the canyon at this point. And so I ran out of that area and then got to a spot where the trail was really populated and um, wasn't surrounded by trees. But that was my only encounter. Later on, I, I discovered, I think it was a bobcat. But... Again, this is a situation that really I was able to overcome a fear by being in this situation, by being on the trail. Now, while I definitely do not hope that any of you encounter animals or any danger on the trail, I think it is important to know that in our everyday lives, from the moment we wake up, there are always going to be possibilities of danger. When you get into your car, there's a possibility that you can get in a car accident. When you get on an airplane, there's a possibility of a plane crash. Uh, and we hear about so many different crimes in our everyday uh, lives and, and in our cities. I mean, all you have to do is turn on the nightly news, right? But the point that I'm trying to make here is that is a part of life. And so then we just have to take the step and say, okay, how do I want to live? Do I want to live focusing on all the possible negative outcomes? Or do I want to focus on how I can be strong and move through these situations, how I can be prepared if I'm in these situations, but never let these situations dictate the way I live my life? The final story that I'm going to tell is about an experience that I had on Mount Baldy a few months ago. And after this experience, I came home, I posted about it online. I didn't tell the whole story. And because of that, I I got a lot of feedback and then I took the post down because I was like, mm, I should probably tell the story instead of letting everyone assume what, what had happened. And it is quite brief, but what I learned in this is that that's all it takes is a split second decision can cost your life. And not only that, even if you are confident or a, a professional uh, or you're just so used to doing something over and over again, uh, we still have to be mindful and respectful that we are imperfect humans and at any time we are capable of making mistakes. And this story is powerful because while I was in the moment where I was very afraid and thought that I was going to, if I took a wrong step, that maybe I would die, I remember thinking how important my mindset was in that moment. And so let me just explain quickly what happened. 
I had set my sight on a particular trail up at Mount Baldy. Oh, let me back up for a second. Mount Baldy, I've been running on this mountain for over a decade. So yes, I'm very confident on it. I've run most of the trails surrounding it. I love this mountain. It is affectionately called my second home. Uh, I don't really think there's any trail there that I have not covered. And it is a place where I've put thousands of miles and hours in training for uh, most of my mountain races. So I do go to Mount Baldy with a lot of confidence. I am not fearful when I'm there. The other thing I like about it too is is a a very exposed mountain. Uh, There's not a lot of covered areas. So I made a mistake by planning my route and then at the last minute in the middle of the route, I decided to take a different trail. And uh, it was a particularly crowded day because I went up on a weekend and I became disoriented after running into some people, some new friends. I was taking some pictures and chatting with people who had recognized me on the trail. So I was, it was a great morning, but I did miss my turn, but I didn't realize that. So I tried to correct myself and I got myself into a very compromised situation by trying to self-correct instead of going back to where um, I had made the mistake. The problem was that I thought that I was a valley over. So I actually thought I was correcting myself in an area that didn't exist. And the reason why I got disoriented because there was so much snow around me. And one of the things that I've always done on Mount Baldy is I've always counted the peaks. So I can see the peaks, I can name them all. And that's always helped me know where I am. So I wasn't necessarily lost in such a way where I was like, oh my gosh, where am I? The problem was, as I went further away from the trail, not knowing that I was further away from the trail because it was all covered in snow, I found myself on top of a bunch of boulders. And some of the areas were covered by snow, but then other areas were just covered by gravel. And I got myself into a very compromised position where I was trying to climb up on a boulder and I was about 50 feet up off the ground and I had my back to the valley. And what I realized what I was grabbing onto was scree and gravel. There wasn't really a lot to grab onto. I have my poles in one hand and I'm trying to position myself on this little ledge uh, where I could put my feet in on this rock. And I'm thinking to myself, how in the world did I get into this position? You know, I was so confident of where I was. And so I went to go pull myself up. Uh, my hand slipped. I was able to uh, reposition myself quickly enough where I could catch myself. And in that moment, I experienced a massive amount of fear, fear that uh, just paralyzed me. And I just stood there and I realized I need to think about every single movement that I'm making right now. But I'll tell you what happened next. I then also started to have a lot of negative self-talk, like how in the world did you get off trail? How in the world are you clinging onto a rock right now? Uh, you know, this is so ridiculous. You've been up here a million times. How could you lose your way in the snow? And I really just started getting mad at myself and talking negatively. Well, as I stood there, so several minutes went by as I'm trying to think about, you know, my next move. And I knew well enough that I needed to snap myself out of the negative self-talk and I needed to be thoughtful and careful and patient about every step that I was making. So I eventually made 
I made it up onto the rock and I actually made it on to the trail. And once I make it made it onto the trail, I looked over across the valley and I was just like, oh my gosh, what an idiot. This whole time I thought that I was in one spot, but really that's a valley over. When I looked up on both sides of the valley, I'm also noticing it is completely covered in ice. It's just sheets. You can't see any trails uh, anywhere. Well, on this particular day, it was very windy too. And when I looked up to my left, I could see that this whole uh, side of the valley, there wasn't any snow. I was like, oh, I know what to do. I'll just take this trail up here. I'll climb to the top of this peak and then I can come down the other side and and then that'll take me down to the road and that'll lead me back to my car. I was so confident in the way that I was going. So I worked my way up this trail and, you know, this particular side of the mountain, the sun always hits it. The wind always hits it. So, of course, there's no snow on this side. Well, as I turn the corner in hopes of wanting to descend the other side, it's just another blanket, pure uh, sheet of snow. And again, I started beating myself up. I'm like, I can't believe this. This is so ridiculous. Like, how did I not even think of that? So it was just really when it comes down to it, it was just bad decision, not being thoughtful, getting distracted, and I got myself into a bad situation. Long story short, it took me a solid four or five hours to eventually make it back to where I had made my mistake. Now, at no time was I lost because I continued to look up at the peaks. Okay, I know where the valley is. I know that that's that peak and that peak. I know I need to get down here. And I had on some spikes. I had poles with me, but I did not have proper snow gear. So there was no way I could kind of quickly get out of my situation. So I was at times digging holes in ice uh, for my feet in order to descend uh, back to the trail where I had come off of. So as a whole, it was being disoriented in the snow, getting off trail in a spot that I was so confident in, but then realizing I was mixing it up with the other side of the mountain and thankfully finding my way back to the trail and as soon as I found my, myself back on that trail, I immediately started crying. And I think I was overwhelmed with emotion because the intensity that I had and the focus that I knew I needed to have in order to find my way back to the trail was like nothing I had ever experienced. I went from beating myself up. Yes, you know, I, I shouldn't, this shouldn't have happened. Like, how did I go wrong? I definitely made a mistake to then being so careful about every step that I was taking. I mean, I was in every step that I was taking. I was fully aware that if I did not pay attention, I could hit a big patch of ice. I could fall or not even knowing what was under the ice. I think at one point I remember coming out on, I thought I was descending back into the valley so confidently. I was actually running. And then what I realized what I had done is I had descended onto a pile of boulders that were just covered in snow and a big drop off. And I remember slowly working my way back, back onto the trail and then having to uh, find a new way. And so 
All that to say, it is important that we are aware that we are always capable of making mistakes. It's important that we stay humble, that we stay students. But when we come into situations where we are in danger or we have made a mistake, it's important that we talk positively to ourselves. We keep a strong mindset. We are able to harness and take control of our emotion. I think that is really powerful no matter how intense a situation is. It's so important to remain calm. It's important to be thoughtful about every step. And that really is what got me out of this dangerous situation was just being thoughtful and being okay with the fact, yeah, I made a mistake and now I'm going to correct it. Getting back on that trail was really emotional for me because I realized I could have made a bad move and it would have ended really poorly. And, you know, I ran back all the way to my car. Thankfully, I had big glasses on. Uh, I ran into a few people who had actually seen me that day who thought I was so happy. Actually, they followed up with me like, man, I thought you were so happy when I saw you. I was like, yeah, I'm wearing big glasses and just smiling. I got tears behind those uh, sunglasses. But, you know, I got back to my car and I was just grateful and once again, humble by my humanness. And so the purpose of this podcast today, you guys, is to one, share vulnerable stories with you that even as a professional trail runner, I have had a lot of mistakes in my career. I've, uh, whether it's in racing or training or just, you know, being out on the trail, I have had that fear. I have encountered danger. I have uh, put myself in compromised situations. And I do know that I'll never be perfect or free from those things. But with every situation, I have been able to grow. With every situation, I have learned something new. And I've used those things now as my tools. And I want to continue on in this podcast to just leave you with a few tips that, um, and you can even write these down if you have a pen and paper, a few tips that you can use as you embark onto the trail that have helped for me over the years. So first of all, I want to talk to you about packing wisely. Even when you are out on the road, there are a few things that you should always have with you, especially for those of you that are brand new and maybe are a little bit more fearful just about the idea of either running alone or maybe you don't live in an area that is entirely safe. I always want to be sensitive to that. We all live and come from different cities. Uh, from Even when it comes to trail running, we all deal with different types of wildlife, different terrain uh, environments. And so as I said earlier, the study being a student is going to be key for you. If you're running on the road, I know for me as a mom, I always bring a phone. I can't stress this enough. I know it's something that not everyone likes to carry. I would say that most people do run with their phone, but I too, because it has saved me many times. In fact, when I was in, Eddie, and you probably remember this, when I was on, on Mount Baldy that day, you had opened up Life360. And if you guys aren't familiar with Life360, it's an awesome app. I highly recommend it. Um, our entire family family has it on their phones. But the cool thing is you can always see where someone is. And I don't know why you decided to open up the app. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it was after a few hours, I was just curious kind of where you were. And I, I looked it up and it said you were like in Rancho Cucamonga wilderness or whatever it was called. And I was like, yeah, that's not usually where she is. <laughs> so, but I didn't think much about it because I figured, you know, you were doing your thing and you knew where you're going. But then you called me and then yeah. I was like, wait, what? 
Yeah, then I called you several hours later. And so that was nice to hear, though. It was it was nice to hear that you were able to see where I was because I remember not having phone reception. Mm-hmm. But he was still able to locate me with that little GPS. So, yeah, yeah the phone is great for that because you can be uh, found. People can see where you are. So, of course, make sure your you know, your phone is always charged. Uh, if you're running on the roads, I do highly recommend if you run on the sidewalk to run into traffic. Be aware of who is coming at you. We live in a world of distracted drivers. We are more distracted than we have ever been. And so it is important that you are able to stay aware. When it comes to running in parks, I always like to run in areas that are more open. I'm not the biggest fan in running in areas where there's lots of tree cover, uh, lots of bushes, you know, and there are definitely a few parks around here, around me that have a lot of bushes and tree cover. And I just, it's just my rule. There's a lot of other places I can run. And so uh, I like to be visible. I like to be where if something did happen to me that I would know someone would come upon me. And so uh, those are my tips for running on the road. If you're someone who runs after work or before work, so you're running at night, you can't go wrong with having a headlamp. Any type of reflective vest, they make a lot of runners uh, vests now that are reflective. I have a few Nike pieces, a few jackets that are entirely reflective. I even have reflective tights. Uh, so from head to toe, if I run at night around here, it's really is on the streets. I don't really need reflective gear in the mountains, but on the streets, I like to wear reflective gear and it just makes me feel safer. And let's see if you are going on the trail. I always say pack heavy. I know there was a time in trail running, especially when I first started, where it was almost like bragging rights if you could run light, bring barely anything with you. I don't agree with this. I think, you know, you can even become stronger by by running with a heavier pack. But my rule of thumb is pack enough stuff so that if you have to spend the night in the mountains, you're going to be okay. So that means an extra layer, beanie, gloves, a headlamp, extra batteries, an external battery pack for your phone, a whistle extra food. And I like to also bring a mini first aid kit. And if you want, I mean, there's even like fire starter type, what are those like they're waterproof fire starter things so that if you do get into a compromised situation and you're able to make a little campfire somewhere, if you get, you know, around a a camping area, then you can do that too. One of the things that my mom bought me that I still use today is a body alarm. Now you can get this on Amazon, just type that in. It's called body alarm and it is just that. There's two buttons on it, well, two functions. One is a panic button, which you can hit and it'll emit this super high pitch noise. And then if you pull the pin, that high pitch noise stays on until you put the pin back in. And my mom had gotten this for me when I was 12 because I was always wandering around on my bike, going on runs. I was a very curious little girl and so the body alarm made her feel better if I brought that with me. So. You know, a lot of times if there is a attacker, if you're on the roads, an attacker likes to find someone that is distracted, that is alone and isn't, you know, necessarily paying attention or in an area where there isn't a lot of people around. The body alarm is going to bring attention to you and that panic button is great. So if you're running in an area where you don't feel safe, hit that panic button and it'll bring attention to you and even scare people away. It's a great thing to bring into the mountains too, because if you do run in an area where maybe you feel like, oh my gosh, there's a lot of coyotes around here, or maybe there's bears. Tapping that loud noise is usually something that will send an an animal running away. So 
I love that. I've even bought it for my kids. Pepper spray is allowed here in California. We even have these things called jogger spray and it wraps around your knuckle. There's a safety um, clip on it. So all you do is click it to the side and then you're able to activate it. I highly recommend that. You do have to check it. I know the laws are different all over the United States, but you can buy that kind of stuff here in our gas stations. There is a lot of strength in the way you carry yourself, and I can't talk about this enough. So if you are in a situation where you feel afraid, you need to stand tall. Your posture should stand tall, head up, eyes forward, look people in the eye, talk loudly, talk firmly. This goes a long way. It gives you the appearance of someone that is either crazy or just really strong and confident. And so usually people who are looking to attack someone, they're not looking for the strong, confident person. That isn't who they want. They don't want to mess with somebody like that. It's too much trouble. And so it's important if you ever feel threatened that you stand your ground and you pretend, even if you have to pretend, that you are strong and confident in your strength. And and then, as I said earlier, I can't stress this enough, research the area. We all live in different areas and different terrains. Make sure you check that out before uh, you head out. Mentally, I want to tackle the fear right now as we wrap this up. It is important that you face your fears. Fear will keep you safe. It will alert you, but never let it paralyze you. Be honest with yourself. Are your fears based on assumptions or rare dramatic stories? So often people tell me they will not go on the trails or they will not try something new. And then they'll tell me a story about somebody or someone they heard on a podcast or something they read on social media or a book that they read or a movie that they read. Be honest with yourself. So often we base our fears on something that happens so rarely. And the reality is, is that every day we are faced with dangers and we then need to decide every day when we wake up, do I want to live in fear or do I want to live with courage? And so I, I want to tell you, be a student, be strong, choose the stronger mindset, continue to learn about all the different scenarios uh, around you and the possible um, tools that you can really equip yourself with in order to be stronger out on the trails and on the roads and be honest with yourself. Be honest with your fears. Be honest with your anxieties, anything that makes you nervous or apprehensive. It's okay. You are not alone. These are normal human feelings. We all have them. And as I have shared with you today, I've encountered them many times in my life. But you know, you know what? That's what this community is about. The Choose Strong community is about supporting each other. It's about helping each other choose strong in mind in body and in love. And I'll tell you what, I got a lot of love for you and I hope that you have learned something today. I hope that I have given you something to think about and I really hope that you share this with a friend because we can all choose strong in every area in our life. I'm your host, Sally McRae. I've been joined by Eddie today. Eddie, thank you so much for being with us. Of course. <laughs> and we will see you on the next episode. Until then, keep choosing strong.
Thanks again for listening to the show. I just want to take a minute and let you know about a couple ways that you can help support the show and also help me put out more content. So I have two different ways that you can support, and that's either by downloading my app. I have a Run in Strength app. The link is in my bio. It's only a dollar to join for the first 30 days and then $14.99 a month or $99 a year after that. But this app is my heart and soul of coaching, not only the physical body, but also mindset. So every week I deliver new workouts. In May of 2022, we will also be starting to upload some race training programs in there, starting at the half marathon all the way up to the 100 miler. Right now, you can also find four-week and six-week day-by-day follow-along programs, but there is a wide variety of standalone workouts as well. There are video tutorials, descriptions, and lots of other amazing things. In addition to that, you will have access to the Sally McRae Strength Community on Facebook where thousands of other people just like you are working toward their goals. And then, of course, the other way that you can help support is by being a monthly subscriber to the podcast. I just want to say thank you in advance to my listeners who are already supporting. Uh, It really means a lot to me and it allows me to put out more content. Thanks, guys.